Live from the 607, it is the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Why don't you join in the conversation with the hashtag ODPH? Here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, hashtag ODPH Podcast. I'm your host, Kanem. Joining me in studio on panel this week, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Coach Duffy is on assignment, but he's going to say he's going to hit up some parlay points later this week to give you the recap because we got to talk some sports. Mm-hmm. You know the drill by now. If you're a new listener, we'd like to talk to you. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH on social media. You can find all our accounts on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. And this edition of the sports show, there's no bigger sports story, at least when you talk to the panel, than what went down with the NBA draft lottery. Holy sugar cookies. I think if you listen closely and you were in the tri-state area, being New York, Jersey, even Connecticut, I think maybe even parts of Massachusetts, uh, you could hear the entire collective, however many million people are in New York City, screaming. I am just glad I didn't have a webcam on. When we were watching the draft lottery happen, uh, you were you were controlled. I was being controlled because controlled. I, I was trying to focus all the karma I could. Coach Duffy was doing the same thing because this was the year that we had as Knicks fans hope. Yes, this was the promise that we did everything right. We got the max contracts ready to go for the offseason. I'll say, if I remember reading right, this was like the first time that the Knicks had had an opportunity at the number one overall pick since what, like the 80s? Yes, it's Patrick Ewing. Yeah. Pretty much. And he was in attendance. So, like, the stars were lined up. Mm-hmm. They were ready to go. And as the picks were going, Pad, break it down from 10. Oh, so, yeah, they go get going through, and they were doing 14 through 10. And, and you know, those, those picks were uh, in 14 going down. You had the Boston Celtics, Miami Heat, Charlotte Hornets, Minnesota Timberwolves, and then the Atlanta Hawks at number 10. So, you know, congratulations to them. And then at this point, too, to reiterate, too, this isn't like any kind of lottery or draft where your losses really matter, so to speak. It's all based on ping pong balls yeah. that decide your fate. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, like the, the order is determined and, like, the worse your record is or the higher percentage you have of getting the number one overall pick, the more ping pong balls you have in the, in right. the, in the whatever this thing is called. So, ergo, you should have a better chance of getting it, but antics usually ensue. Right, and at this point, too, the Knicks, Cavs, and Phoenix, I believe, all have the same amount of ping pong balls yep. in the stash. And they all had the, that 14% chance of getting the number one overall pick. So then we get going through. Uh, the, with the number nine pick, you had the Washington Wizards. Uh, number eight, you had the Atlanta Hawks. Number seven, you had the Chicago Bulls. This one, if I remember right, played out well for the Knicks uh, when we were going through it because the Phoenix Suns uh, received the number six overall pick. Oh, yeah. When that happened, it was like, okay, it's happening. Mm -hmm. Zion is halfway to New York. Yeah. Uh, And then you had the Cleveland Cavaliers with the number five overall pick. And then so things kind of went to break. And at this point, everyone's going nuts. Everybody's celebrating. This is like, okay, I'm focused. Everybody is just like, we see it happening. The Knicks... Might pull this off. All the all the karma is getting focused. Everything we've gone through, I I could not believe that we actually got this far. Because usually this time, this is when the ceiling drops for the Knicks, and this is where we're stuck picking. But no, we actually got ahead of Cleveland. We got ahead of Phoenix. We are going into the draft, and things are looking good. Mm-hmm. And then we come back from break. Yep, and then they come back from break. And the four remaining teams were the New York Knicks the Memphis Grizzlies, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Los Angeles Lakers. 
Right. So then we get going and with the number. And so at this point, they're really building the anticipation. They got like the background music that's all sort of like getting your nerves up and anticipation going. With the number four overall pick, it was the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes. And at that point, all of New York is going crazy. All the watch parties down at all the bars and sports bars down in New York are going nuts. People are cheering. You know, drinks are getting thrown everywhere. With the number three overall pick, the New York Knicks. And right there, the air lets out of the balloon. Everything crashes down. It's not a bad pick, though. And I, I can't be mad about it because, like I, I said earlier, I thought we were going to get stuck at seven or eight. Like something was going to happen. I mean, last week I was really feeling I was like, you know, everything is lined up. Patrick Ewing is going to go represent the Knicks. It's going to be like him coming to New York all over again with Zion. And we get to three. Mm-hmm. So with the number three overall pick, you had the New York Knicks. After that, you had the Memphis Grizzlies at number two. And with the number one overall pick in this year's uh, NBA draft, you had the New Orleans Pelicans. Which was very surprising. Uh, but they had the one trump card ace, ace in the hole that nobody else had. Uh, David Griffin is their general manager. And if I remember reading right, he has been a part of like two different teams having like four or five number one overall draft picks. He is the ultimate good luck charm yeah. for the NBA draft. Well, so he got like three for the Cavaliers, and and then he's gotten at least two for the Pelicans. Yeah, it, it, and I, you know what? I, I thought maybe the karma was going to outweigh it, but it didn't. But I can't be, like I said, the more I kind of started sinking in and we didn't get Zion, arguably right now, it kind of really set in, okay, the Knicks at least have a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. That they're going to have a great player at that position, depending on what they want to do. Because there was one thing that happened after we recorded uh-huh. that didn't register on my radar. Okay. Where did this Anthony Davis trade talk come from? Yeah, that's, that's very true. That flew out of nowhere because when we got done recording, Coach Duffy and I were already looking online for our Zion Nick jerseys, and we kept saying, okay, we get the number one pick. It's going to be Zion. It's a lock. And then like right before the draft lottery, mm-hmm. Well, if the Knicks get the number one pick, they might trade for Anthony Davis. Like, like the coverage for ESPN, like the drafts actually start, like the draft lottery started at like, what was it, like 830, something mm-hmm. like that. But the coverage had been going since 7 o'clock. So I know we were over watching The Flash and going back and forth. And like right when we flipped over to kind of check where things were at 830, 835 Eastern time, that's when like we turned it over and, like, and we started seeing stuff online. Like, oh, if the Knicks get the number one overall draft pick, they're thinking of trading it for Anthony Davis. Yeah. Like at the 11th hour. Which didn't really make a lot of sense per se because for him to come to New York, it was going to take a lot. And I was just fearing that we were going to get stuck without draft picks for like the next 10 years. Right. Just something crazy to get him out of New Orleans as of right now because the Knicks don't have a lot of assets to move per se. They do have a lot of young talent, but it's not enough to really move the needle to get a superstar like Anthony Davis out. Right. Especially New Orleans is not – a dumb organization. No, they're going to if they're going to move Anthony Davis, they are going to get a king's ransom and then some. I'll say, it. let's not forget. Now, this we don't know the further dealings with this or what was said back and forth, other than the trade offerings. But the Los Angeles Lakers offered everything short of a fifty percent stake in the Staples Center for Anthony Davis, and they said no, and they couldn't move him. Yeah, and which it's funny now that the rumors of the Lakers trying to get involved in the mix for Anthony Davis again. With what the fourth pick? I mean, yeah, it's not going to be enough to move for the Knicks to be still be in this mix. They would have to move a lot. Uh, yeah, which I don't think it, you know they're looking young. They're looking future. I don't think they want to blow up the team they got going for a singular player. No, because for him to stay, he would arguably take that cap space they have cleared out for a max contract. Yeah, no, he would. And you'd have only one possible free agent coming over unless they do some really weird economic deals 
with superstar players who take mm-hmm. less money to come. Yeah, yeah. I don't see that happening. I just don't. But how it's going to shape out, New Orleans now gets the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Arguably, it's going to be Zion Williamson. You would think, yeah. Because you, while on paper right now, Anthony Davis is still a New Orleans Pelican. And if you're a New Orleans Pelican fan, the prospect of having both him and Zion Williamson down low is very enticing. It is very enticing, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to sway Davis from not wanting out of New Orleans. After last season's yeah, drama, yeah. I, I, don't, I just don't see Zion being the player to come in and just mend that fence, so to speak. I think if it were a scenario where, you know, it was just a bad season, which mm-hmm. which teams have that, you know, in, oh, the, yeah. in the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, it happens. If it was just a bad season, okay, like he's not happy, but like he's not, you know, ready to burn every bridge just to get out of there. But for everything that went on and everything that was said that like he was healthy, he was ready to play and they're sitting him on the bench. Yeah. Just how that situation ended yeah. last season is still ringing out like you know like bells right now we'll say just, he's not going to forget that anytime soon yeah he can't forget that there's no way you can you as the star player and to have the organization which hey they made the call can't fault him on it no. player doesn't want to be there you still have to run your business yeah i get that but when you sit your star player down and now you're just saying hey we got the number one draft pick you still want to come back and let's work things out that's tough yeah that's really tough I don't know if they can swing it. I I genuinely don't. So to see where they go now, I think the only team that is pretty much locked in for their player is Memphis, mm-hmm. who's going to take Jay Morant from Murray State. Yeah, I think that that is as much of a lock, and I think that they've all but publicly said that yeah, that's going to be the case. Yeah, unless he goes number one, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, I I, th- I see that being Zion unless they move the pick. I for see for New Orleans, it's kind of a win-win situation for them. They take Zion Williamson, and let's just say in some weird, bizarre world, if it happens, Anthony Davis stays. Great, we've got two great big men down low. Mm-hmm. If Anthony Davis leaves, hey, we're going to draft Zion Williamson. Hey, we we got a, another big man down low. We're okay. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting scenario, and they have a lot of flexibility of what they want to do with this. Because obviously if they want to trade Anthony Davis, there will be teams that are going to have to mortgage their future for the next five seasons, arguably, to get him out of there. But if they want to keep him, they could still move that number one pick. Let's not, right. let's not forget that. Because the scenario could be the Knicks could say, hey, we still want to go after Zion. What do we do to move up from three to one? And what would that take? Let alone the Lakers could want to move up and yeah. try making a deal. Because I can't see, even though with all the turmoil that was going on there, and then obviously – with what happened with Magic Johnson resigning mm-hmm. and and you know everything coming out with that now has just been absolutely wild. If the Lakers organization can move up now and get a star player like Anthony Davis out, I mean I don't know what they can do to get him out of there with unless they move the four and something else. They got to move the four and every. They got to basically they got to figure out a way to up their package from last year, which was already insane. Yeah, and and they off like I said they offered the farm short of a. 50% stake in the Staples Center, and New Orleans still said no. Right. So, what, like, nothing has changed in that you've acquired some pieces or, you know, graphics in a trade that, like, hey, we can offer you more trades. We can offer you these other players. Like, nothing has changed. You're still dealing with the same assets. That's the thing, and I don't know how you answer that if you're the Lakers. You, you literally said everybody but LeBron, and you know you can't move yeah. LeBron out of there. No. He's locked in there for the next three seasons. You can't move him. Yeah. 
Be, well, well, they could because he does not have a no trade clause. So they could, in theory, trade him. But will they? No, no, they won't do that. I mean, where would it would just be too messy to try moving him out of there? Yeah, it just I can't see him. You would trade the best player in the league, arguably, mm-hmm. to, to you know for for what? Yeah, I mean for I, Anthony Davis. No, I mean that that's it. it, it it's a very tricky situation if you're going to try doing that, but I just I can't see them doing that. I think you went all in on LeBron last year as a free agent. You're stuck in that situation. Yeah. You have to hope you can entice a superstar player to come along and play with him in L.A. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I don't know what you do out there, Laker fans. Right. I really don't. But for New Orleans, they have a lot of options. And for the Knicks, they have some options now, too. Because they still have the number three picks. They can mm-hmm. definitely get a star player at that position. Well, star player in theory. I mean, the NBA draft, much like the NFL draft, is kind of a crapshoot when you think about it. I mean, what would you say in the last uh, 10 years or 15 years has been the best draft class? I would say to the 2003 one with LeBron, Wade, and Carmelo, and Bosh. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's the one that's produced a lot of superstars. Right, yeah, so. So, I mean, you got that one, but let's not forget the Detroit Pistons took Darko Milicic with the number two overall pick, and we remember his career. Right. It's just one of those situations that you think, especially with the talent pool that's come out that we know of. I mean, just watching college basketball this year. Yeah. There's a lot of potential, so at that pick, you might find a superstar in there. And for the Knicks, I don't think this will hurt them that bad if they no. hang on to the pick. Because still, you don't have Zion unless you make a crazy deal with New Orleans. And it's right. not to say they can't. It's not to say they can't. In fact, I'll even throw it out that they might entertain the idea of trading up. Mm-hmm. You'd have to get rid of your picks, and obviously you have some young talent on the team right now to move. I think it all depends where the front office and those involved with the Knicks want to go. Do you want to give up a lot of your current young players for Anthony Davis, or are you happy? Because let's not forget they have DeAndre Jordan down low, which DeAndre Jordan is no Anthony Davis, but he's right. he's a very serviceable center down low. He can get the job done for you. But would so would you rather trade a you know however many of your young players it's going to take and the the draft pick for Anthony Davis and go Anthony Davis and then you know hope you get Kyrie and KD, or do you want to hold on to your young guys and keep building while adding super adding a couple superstars in there? I think you keep you if I'm the GM of the Knicks, I keep my young talent. Yeah. Unless I know for a fact I am going to get the two max contract free agents next year. Like I, if I know that for a fact, if I can say lock it in, KD is coming and Kyrie is coming. Mm-hmm. Then I go, okay, if I have those two superstars, can I make the trade to get Zion and get rid of everybody else? It's crazy to do, yeah. but you still have a great team there. Yeah. If you wanted to go that route. Now, would I do that? No. I'd also be afraid of doing it myself because we remember how this went when the Lakers were trying to get it. Mm-hmm. And and they, you know, Magic Johnson has come out in the last couple of days on first take on ESPN and said, you know, he told the the general manager of, you know, New Orleans that, "Oh, hey, let's keep this private. Let's keep this, you know, between us." And it got out. And it really got ugly and you could see how it affected the players on the court with all this, you know, bulletin board material going on would you want to have a repeat of the same scenario just moving across the country into new york no because i think the knicks have already gone through enough you can't yeah and 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 the media is way more rabid than they are in la oh absolutely if new york does pull off what i think they're going to do in free agency and that's kevin durant and kyrie irving i think that is as much of a lock as you can make Mm -hmm. if you keep them around that young talent they have and I know that there, there's a couple of players that they might move here and there. 
But overall, if you get those two superstars there and you can get a third complementary player to step up and really add to that team, the Knicks are going to be scary. And they have, they have some young talent that might be it as of right now. And then who knows who they're going to get at number three. But if they wanted to go in all, all in and get Zion, it, it's tempting. I, I can't say it's not. Mm-hmm. But I, I like if I'm the GM, I can't do that. Right. Like, that's me. But could I see it happening? Absolutely. But, but that's a hell of a dice roll that I would never throw. Right. But going in with that, the NBA draft is going to have so many storylines going to it. And like I say, I don't doubt a shakeup for that number one pick. I don't. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be the Lakers jumping up to one or the Knicks jumping up to one, but I don't doubt that maybe you see if Zion gets drafted, Anthony Davis gets moved too. Right. And then New Orleans will get some. I could see that happening in the same night, that whatever team ends up getting Anthony Davis, they do it on draft night because you'll see that oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Oh, it would be huge to do because obviously the eyes of the league are watching the playoffs now. Mm Mm-hmm. And Golden State has punched their ticket. Holy so cow. now they have to make some moves. And dare I say, let me bring up something now, too, because I, I want this will be a good segue point for this. Golden State has now swept Portland. Mm-hmm. And P- Golden State has a lot of question marks with next season, but they're doing this run right now, and they yeah. look, they've looked great in this series, too, against Portland, without Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. If you are the Golden State Warriors... And you win this title, and let's say you don't bring back Kevin Durant for this run, for the finals. Right. Let's let's just say you don't. That you you feel he's not ready, whatever the case is with his injury. Do you think that is going to push him out the door even more? Uh possibly. See, I'm kind of going through that scenario right now. That for his all the talk of him coming to New York, and like I said, I think that's a lock. I think it was win, lose, or draw. He was coming to New York anyway. Because I think he wants to do a legacy run. If because whoever wins a championship for the Knicks, you go down in the history books of being a legend. It's gonna happen. Trust me. Mm-hmm. But for this playoff series, though, Golden State ran through Portland while breaking a couple records. Yeah, uh, Steph Curry broke Shaquille O'Neal's uh, playoff game. There's it's one of those long weird record title things. But Shaquille O'Neal held a record for like a. However, you know, however many game series uh, points per game since like the early 2000s when the Lakers were in their three peat, uh, he broke that one, and then he also broke like a most three pointers made in a series that he, <laughs> he broke his own record from like a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's wild to see. And Draymond Green has stepped his game up uh-huh. in the absence of Durant, which is wild to think because Draymond, since Kevin Durant has come over, I mean, he's been a role player. He is yeah. not. He has not been rocking the boat about complaining about lack of minutes or lack of play or you know shots and and points. He's been a model teammate. Let's we'll say he and Steph Curry both had a triple double in the game clinching win, the series clinching win last night, which is the first time in NBA history that two teammates have had a triple double in the same game. Yeah, it's wild to see. But I think with with Green's performance this playoff run, I'm thinking that if is the case that Durant does leave, Green is stepping up to and showing the office that hey. We can win without him. Mm-hmm. And obviously they're trying to win, period. But I think that he's sending the message, too, is, hey, don't forget, I've been here since we've started making this run. Yeah, and I th- and it's very interesting to see because we all know what uh, Draymond Green's reputation is, at least the last couple of years, and when, especially when it gets to the playoffs, that he's kind of the, the noisemaker, the, the havoc creator, that he, you know he's going to get a foul and raise a lot of eyebrows. 
He's stepping his game up though and letting his game do the talking. Yeah, which I think is a smart move for him. Yeah. I really do. And I think that he's really sending that message that, hey, I can ball. I don't need to step up and make that hard foul or mm-hmm. really make the emotion kickstart for the team. Even though he is. He is the heart and soul of that team. And granted, Curry and Thompson have been putting up their points. But with Draymond stepping up now, mm-hmm. I mean, they're looking downright scary going yeah. in that finals. And I think with Kevin Durant on the bench, how is that playing in fact? That's a really interesting question now, too. Mm-hmm. So Golden State now faces the winner of the Milwaukee-Toronto series. Yeah. And how has that been shaping up? Well, that's been a knockdown dragout fight where, uh, as it stands, they have a game on Tuesday, May 21st, as we record, uh, it, where it is game four of the Eastern Conference Finals, and currently Milwaukee leads in a uh, two games to one. See, this is going to be a battle to the end. I could see this one going seven because yeah. Milwaukee, even though they have had an impressive opening two games against Toronto, yeah. Toronto has been hanging on, except those two games out of the gate, Milwaukee was trying to make a statement there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, game one, uh, Milwaukee won by a final score of 108 to 100, and then in game two, uh, they won by a final score of 125 to 103. However, the Toronto Raptors took game three on Sunday night uh, by a final score of 118 to 112. See, opening night, everybody's kind of feeling out, but Milwaukee, like I meant, the second game, winning by that margin, Mm -hmm. I mean, they wanted to try sending that message home. But give credit to Toronto, because now Toronto definitely took their best punch at home and pulled out the win for game three. Yeah. So that being said, that series is far from done. Right. And obviously heading into the game four, What's the expectations you have? Uh, Giannis is going to score like a madman because as it stands, he's currently averaging 26.1 points per game and is looking like a man possessed. Well, I think that for him, he knows now, okay, to beat Golden State and to really establish himself as the as the next superstar, mm-hmm. he has to really make a statement win. And he's been doing it. Like I said, he's had a great playoffs thus far. Yeah. And obviously game two was a huge, huge win. Right. But for Toronto, and especially Kawhi Leonard, they weren't backing down. No. Because I know, like, the reporters, I remember seeing them something about a press conference, and they were asking Kawhi, you know, like, where do you go from here for game two? And just in typical professional fashion, see game three in Toronto. Like, it yeah. didn't phase him. They, he is bringing that championship mentality to the Raptors, and I'm sure that he is rallying them and saying, hey, we got blown out. It happens. Let's rebound. Let's get refocused. And being at home in Toronto, they looked a lot better. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's not game seven. It's not the end of the world. It, it was one game. You've got, you know, however many more ahead of you. Don't worry. No, you shouldn't have to worry. And especially at this stage, you know the East is going to be a tough fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking at the schedule, their next game is, as we're recording tonight, against Milwaukee at Toronto. Mm-hmm. After, after that, it's uh, Thursday the 23rd in Milwaukee. Then game six, if necessary, is going to be Saturday the 25th in Toronto. And then in game seven, again, if necessary, is going to be on Monday the 27th in Milwaukee. Uh, all games on TNT. See, if I have to make a prediction about this, Milwaukee is going to want to win tonight more importantly yeah. than Toronto. It, my sense is about this. Toronto needs this game desperately yes. because if they go down 3-1 heading back to Milwaukee, oh, they're done. it's arguably saying they're done. It's, yeah. it, it'll be a tougher uphill battle. That, that's going to be a rapid if – they, if they go back to Milwaukee down 3-1 where Milwaukee hasn't had a lot to root for, especially getting this close to the finals in a number of years – that crowd is going to be really loud. They're going to be out of control. Yeah. And I think for Toronto, they know they need this game to obviously get evened up and then, hey, whatever happens when they go for game five will be a different story. 
But for them, this game is important. But like I said, I think Milwaukee knows they need this more. Mm-hmm. This is where the test of wills is going to happen. And I think both teams are going to go back and forth so much. I, I'll i be honest. I think Milwaukee is going to pull this off tonight. Right. And I think just for that sheer factor that if they know that they can get the 3-1 advantage and close at home will be a huge statement. Not saying Toronto is going to back down because they're sure as heck not going to. Right. They're going to scrap in there. They're going to hang in there. And I expect this one to go into overtime tonight. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you this, though. If it gets to 3-1 and Milwaukee's on the verge of winning, I get the feeling you will see every major uh, Wisconsin sports star there at that game. You know, Aaron Rodgers, half of the Packers, because I'm looking at the baseball schedule. The Milwaukee Brewers are playing a home game that same day with a start time of 4-10. They could, in theory, do it and get there and really rally the troops and rally the crowd. Would you dare say that they might move the game up? I could see the Phillies arguing to move the game up, and you get Rodgers and and Christian Yelich and and Ryan Braun and everybody else that's a major star in the Green Bay, you know, Wisconsin sports area down there. Yeah, the Brewers would yeah. actually move that game up. Yeah, oh, yeah I yeah. mean that that would be something to see because I think if they have the chance to punch their ticket to the NBA Finals. Milwaukee's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Toronto has their backs against the wall, but they're going to hang. They're going to scrap. This one could go either way. Like I said, I think it's going to be overtime, but I think Milwaukee's going to edge this out, and then they take the series. And then we get done, things are going to really start picking up because mm-hmm. can anybody knock off Golden State? What's going to happen with Kevin Durant? Is he going to play? Is he not? And then what's the mindset after that? Because if they win the chip without him in Golden State, yep. dare I say – Golden State's been looking very quick without him on the floor. Mm-hmm. But is it going to be quicker for him to leave town and go to New York? And then a lot more questions are going to get answered on June 20th for the NBA draft. So much basketball to talk about. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the NBA draft lottery? And what's your thoughts about the NBA playoffs right now? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Two, three, four. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling. And you're listening to the ODPH. P-H. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the OTPH podcast. And speaking of draft lotteries, mm-hmm. there was a story that came around right shortly after the NBA draft lottery. We'll that, say about the same day, day after, something like that. Yeah, they really kind of caught our attention here at the yeah. panel. Yeah, so of course, uh, Tuesday night last week was the NBA draft lottery, where, as we said in the last segment, you know, we kind of figured out who was drafting where in the NBA lottery. Uh, and then what, an uh, official NFL Twitter account, at NFL Draft, uh, they're verified, they got the blue check mark on Twitter. Uh, tweeted out, hey, NFL, we want a draft lottery too. Bringing up the the discussion, which then kind of fuel, fire got fueled uh, with a post uh, uh, from the New England Patriots Facebook page uh, on their website uh, where uh, one of their writers made a case where it was, you know, quote, time for a draft lottery. So kind of want to pose this to you. Do you think the NFL needs a draft lottery? Hell no. I cannot see this happening. Okay, like, I understand the NBA does it and they – they do this, and I, I feel that they think it gives more of a chance for teams to mm-hmm. get active. I mean, but I think that you go based off the record. Like, the NFL has really not had a had an issue with, you know, I don't want to say tanking. Right. But they haven't had an issue where teams are really just mailing it in. Yeah. And, and to the point where there's so many players involved with a, with a football team mm-hmm. that it's not like the NBA where you have just five on a court. You have 11 and 11 on both sides of the ball. Yeah. For, for the NFL. So, I mean, that's where it kind of gets a little, you know, I can't really see them switching up the format. Espe- right. Especially because I, I go by the philosophy of it. It's not broke, don't fix it. 
Right. So that being said, I just don't see how this would work. I mean, I, I really genuinely don't. And I, I think this would be a, a completely awful idea if they decided to do that. Oh, they totally would. I mean, so let's kind of compare and contrast because as, as we kind of discussed this week and last week, you know, with the way the NBA draft lottery works, the worst team in the NBA doesn't always get the number one overall pick. That's just the way it works. However, that is the way it works, barring, you know, somebody having the same record and a whole bunch of other, you know, intangibles that factor into the, the draft order. So let's kind of give a rundown of where, you know, I'll just give you the, the top 10 uh, NFL draft picks as it is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, number one is the Arizona Cardinals. Then you have the San Francisco 49ers, the New York Jets, the Oakland Raiders, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, New York Giants, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Detroit Lions, Buffalo Bills, and the Denver Broncos were the one through ten this year. Yep. Uh, one, so one of the writers, Gil Brandt, uh, who is, writes for NFL.com, uh, tweeted out how the, quote, how the 2019 draft order would have shaken out if the NFL had a draft lottery with the same result as last night's NBA lottery. Uh, number one, one would have been the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number two would have been the Buffalo Bills. Number three would have been the Arizona Cardinals. Number four would have been the Cincinnati Bengals. Number five would have been the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, number six would have been the New York Jets. Seven would have been the Oakland Raiders. Eight would have been the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nine would have been the New, uh, New York Giants. And number 10 would have been the Detroit Lions. All right, so looking at that, we would have got the number one two the number two pick as the Bills. Yeah. Oh, then yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Get rid of everything and start no. You, like the thing about the the ping pong balls, I think it just should always just keep it based off your record. Yeah. I mean it's it's a tough thing and, and dealing with percentages and that and like I understand the NBA has the reasons for doing it and, mm-hmm. and it is what it is. I don't like it personally. Right. I think it's it should always just be based off record. And, I mean, that's how it is. And, and it's like you said, in the NFL, you really don't see a, a history or a pattern of tanking to get – because, like, oh, we're going to have a bad team, let's just tank. Because, while well, yes, there are bad teams. Let's be honest, no offense to anyone who's a Cleveland Browns fan, the Browns were not good for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. But that's not because they were throwing out second string and third string and fourth string and practice squad guys just trying to get, oh, well, we got to get that number one overall pick. No, they were putting out their starters. They were putting out what they felt were the best players they had available on their team and trying to win games, and it just wasn't rolling their way. It, you know, it, it's not like we're in, in you're, they're, like I said, it's not like they're throwing out, you know, Joe Schmo, who used to be a, a garbage pickup man from Detroit, Michigan, who, oh, hey, you've got quarterbacking experience. Why don't you be our starter on Sunday? Yeah, it's when you when you're playing a, a sport at a professional level, you should be considered the best of the best. If you're in the NFL, if you're in the NBA, you're considered a high level athlete. It doesn't matter if you're the first guy on the team or the the last one on the bench. You are still considered the elite level. Am I right mm-hmm. or am I wrong? No, yeah, you're absolutely right. So that being said, case just like the whole idea of trying to do like a lottery. And like I said, the NBA has a reason for doing it. And, you know, I guess to prevent the perception of, of tanking yeah. to, so like every team gets it. And like I said, it's just kind of weird to see, like for me as the fan mm-hmm. to go, okay, this makes sense. Like I, I don't like it. Right. And I'm not saying this because the Knicks would have had the number one pick overall this year. Right. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like for the NFL, I think how they have it set up works. And I think for yeah. their sport, Especially, like I said, you have 11 on the offensive side, 11 on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. One player is going to make a difference, but right. is it going to be as impactful for that sport as it would be for the NBA, who has one player 
and they can only play five at a time that does offense and defense mm-hmm. for a court. I you have to look at that aspect. Of yeah. It. For me, that's the only way that makes sense. I just can't see the NFL switching this up. No, and I like the one take I saw online where somebody replied to a post about it, and they said, no, because I don't want to give the New England Patriots any chance percentage chance of getting the number one overall draft pick. Yeah, yeah, that's probably my second reason, too. Yeah. I, for the for the franchises that do their business, and especially the one thing that I think more, te- more sports I'd like to see is following is the NFL's hard salary cap. Okay. That's one thing I'd like to see if anybody's going to copy anybody about doing something. Look at how the NFL does, because every year there's parity. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of the NFL, that until you get to about week four, you every team realistically has a shot. Yeah. There's certain players that are going to be better than others. I mean, hey, that happens in every sport. Yeah. But I th- I'd like to see that get copied more than let's go copy the NBA draft lottery formula. I just I don't like it. No. I, I don't, and I just think it's it's just very awkward, and, and for me it just doesn't – it just doesn't mesh. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make sense for the NFL to do this, like you said, because for all the reasons we listed, but then just the NFL draft system works. Like, yes, there are teams who are at the bottom of the barrel for a lot of years. Detroit was there for a lot of years. But mm-hmm. now, hey, they're rising up in the ranks a little bit. Cleveland was on the bottom of the barrel for a lot of years, but now they're rising up. They're getting better. Yes, teams will have bad years, and they will have bad years, plural, like a lot of years. But that's not through any fault of their own that they're thrown out you know, Joe Schmoes from they're pulling off the street just to go, oh, we got to get that number one overall traffic. No, they're trying, just it's not working. And especially the factor that helps them out too. And like I say, it ties into my point. The salary cap allows teams to go get free agents that mm-hmm. might not necessarily have a team looking at or a player looking at that team. Yeah. It's just the way of how much cap space you have and can you can you make it happen with this player at this position. Yeah, I mean, you look at the situation like we had Odell Beckham Jr. end up with the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Now, were we to switch sports and, and say a player like a, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, you know, like an Odell Beckham Jr., who he's a great player. He's not the best in the, best in the world or best in his position, but he's a very good player. A situation like that in the NBA – where like let's just say like a Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson, very good player, not the best in the world, not the best at his position, but he's very good. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't. I cannot ever foresee him going to a team that's been very bad for a number of years, and it, it might be on an upswing, like say maybe a Sacramento Kings. Yeah, they, like I, I just don't see that happening in any way, shape, or form. It may and it may not. I mean, it's just there's different factors that play in the different different teams. But I think the NFL does the right thing with their hard salary cap, and I think that helps them offset a lot of the issues that they would mm-hmm. have with the draft. I mean, the NBA, you look at those crazy contracts, at least I think they are, yeah. <laughs> with the max deals, yeah. and, and they are guaranteed, which, I mean, I like I said, I'm never mad at somebody getting money for you know, if a team's willing to pay them that much. Mm-hmm. But you look at, like, um, all those max contracts that teams are clearing out now. I'll say Damian Lillard's reportedly going to sign a four-year, $191 million Supermax deal. Right. Which, I mean, just to say Supermax contract is, is just wild to say, too. But, I mean, Lillard definitely earns it from Portland. There's no question. Like, if, to remove him from Portland, I, I don't even think Portland would even sniff the playoffs for a couple of years. They would, I think they'd be in a lot of trouble, to be honest. So, I mean, that's that makes sense. But you just see it like other teams with max contracts, and now they're clearing out. And now what happens if you don't get said player? I mean, it's, it's just it's a different league, and it, I just don't think it would mesh trying to implement that style into the NFL. I just don't. Right. I mean, it's like you said, you see these crazy 
you know, contract extensions in the NBA, but whereas in the NFL you have something like Julian Edelman of the New England Patriots re-signing a two-year contract for like just a you know twelve, fourteen million dollar deals or something like that. Super Bowl MVP won you know three, four, however many Super Bowls he's won. Not getting these mega massive deals like you see. Yeah, it's just one of those things that the NFL does it right in that aspect. I'm not saying they do everything perfect because they don't. No, trust me, no. they don't. But what I think they do is they do a good blueprint for offsetting their draft issues yeah. with that hard salary cap. And that's something I'd like to see other sports do, personally. Mm-hmm. And I think it would offset a lot of questions that teams have about, okay, we're never going to turn our franchise around and you we, you we just have to get really lucky in the draft. I mean, you take a look at Milwaukee and what they're doing with Giannis. Yeah, Milwaukee was bad for a lot of years. Yeah. But now they, they're, they're on the cusp of potentially getting to the NBA Finals. Right, and then who knows what they're going to do after this. Because yeah. now when you have a, the next superstar in the league, mm-hmm. on, on a considerably, you, I guess we could say Milwaukee is a small market team. Yeah, they're, they're medium-sized. You, you can argue that. But to see the superstar there, I mean, you find somebody in a draft and you can build around them. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of the draft, but it's also can be a curse too. Yeah. But I think just how the setup is is very tough. But like I say, it can be offset with a hard salary cap. So to get back to the moral of the story, NFL, it's not broke. Don't fix it because there's no sense to do it. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts on the NFL draft system? Should they change it? Should they model it after the NBA? Should they do something entirely different or just leave it alone because it's working? We want to know. Hit us up on that hashtag. We'll be right back. Hey, this is the King of Lyle, Luke Visengard, Gladius 205 champion, and you're listening to the ODPH. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we got to talk a little UFC. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a great fight card this past week in Rochester. Yep. And the main event was Rafael Dos Anjos mm-hmm. versus Kevin Lee, who stepped up to 170 to yeah. fight. So, this fight, Pat, how did it end? Uh, uh, Dos Anjos defeated Kevin Lee via submission by an arm triangle choke. Now, this fight, to kind of sum it up, Lee definitely stepped up in weight. Usually fights at 155. Mm-hmm. And he looked good in the first round. He really did. But one thing is when you step up to a bigger weight class, you put on more muscle. Yes. And what does that do to your cardio? Uh, it shortens it a little bit. He looked like he gassed out in the second round, in my mm-hmm. opinion. He looked very bad. I believe I think I heard during the his corner talk when, the, you know, obviously they filmed the cornerman talking to you in between rounds. This is going to be a battle of attrition, and and just when you start hearing that that early, yeah. it's like, oh, that's not a good sign. And no. it, it, I think just the weight cut was just too much to move up. I, in my opinion, I think it did. Dos Anjos, he weathered the storm early, and he just showed that what a seasoned veteran he is in MMA. And yeah. he, and obviously, when he got the arm triangle on him, it definitely looked, you know, like he had it locked in, and he looked good. You know, obviously bouncing back because I know he's lost his past couple fights. So going from there, I'm not sure what's going to happen with him at 170 no. if he wants to stay up there because that could go either way. And for Lee, I think he's going to go back down to 155. I yeah. think he'll, he'll be a lot better there. Yeah. I don't know if he would ever consider dropping to 145. I think that would be too risky of a weight cut, and I'd rather see a fighter healthy yeah. than trying to make a crazy weight like that. 
I think we do got to give a shout out though to uh, Michael Pereira, uh, who defeated Danny Roberts on the preliminary card on ESPN. Uh, Michael Pereira won f- uh, performance of the night along with uh, Grant Dawson. But if you have not seen the flying knee knockout, oh. flying knee knockout Pereira had on Danny Roberts, look it up. It's on the ESPN MMA Facebook page. My God. Yeah, he definitely caught him with that shot. Like, that is definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it. You should definitely check it out. Yeah. And that wasn't the only big news coming out this week from the no. world of the UFC. There is a little bit of a fight card shuffle. Mm-hmm. And, Pat, I want to get your opinion on this. Okay. Tyrone Woodley is injured. Yep. So he is not going to be facing Robbie Lawler on June 29th for the UFC fight card. No. So that fight is off. Mm-hmm. Lawler is now, we're reading reports, not going to take a substitute fight for that card. Okay. So there, I know there's a couple fighters that want to step up. Mike Perry wanted to step up and fight. Mm-hmm. I know that Darren Till want, was asking to fight at like a catch weight. Right. But Lawler has opted not to fight on this card. So what the UFC has announced is they are moving Junior Dos Anjos and Francis Ngannou off the July 6th UFC International Fight Night card to headline the 29th card. Okay. So now, what is your thoughts on that? I mean, it makes sense. I mean, back to the Robbie Lawler thing. If he doesn't want to fight because he wants to fight Tyrone Woodley, okay. he's. I'm going to go with his decision on that. Fine. But in terms of moving Francis Ngannou and Junior Dos Santos to this card, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, outside of that, you would have moved Damian Maya and Anthony Rocco Martin to your headlining, which, eh, Damian Maya, sure, I'll see a Damian Maya fight. But, like, if you're, you know, it's going into fight week and international fight week and it's, like, your biggest week of the year, sorry, no offense to Anthony Rocco Martin, but, like, you versus Damian Maya ain't exactly moving the needle. Yeah, this fight made a lot of sense to move because, obviously, losing Lawler Woodley is a huge deal. Yeah. Huge one. And let's be honest, the losing Dos Santos versus Ngannou on the UFC 239 card yeah, it sucks, but they're not exactly losing any star power off of that card. No, they're not, which I'm wondering, too, if they're going to add to that card. Now, that is my question now. I'm looking at the fight pay, fight card page on the on Wikipedia. Uh, there is currently like six fights listed, so well, maybe. Well, obviously, they'll add some more mid-card fights. Well, but yeah, but yeah, if you start yeah. looking at that from top to bottom, mm-hmm. July 6th? Yep, July 6th from Las Vegas. Who is headlining? Uh, you have John Jones versus Tiago Santos for the light heavyweight title. Right. Uh, then your co-main event, at least as it stands right now, is Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm for the women's bantamweight championship. Uh, after that, you have a, a welterweight matchup between Jorge Masvidal versus Ben Askren. You have a light heavyweight matchup between Jan Blaskovitz versus Luke Rockhold. You have a featherweight matchup between Gilbert Melendez versus Arnold Allen. Uh, and then you also have uh, Diego, Diego Sanchez versus Michael Chiesa on that card. Right. I mean, that card is stacked as is. Mm-hmm. So to take Dos Anjos and Ngannou off that. Okay. I, I would yeah. be happy to see the fight happen. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't decide. Well, you know what? I was actually thinking they were going to try moving Cerrone in. And oh, Lord. I, I thought that was going to happen, but I'm like, no, no, just leave that fight alone and just don't. Nobody asks Cerrone to step up and fight. No. Him versus Ferguson needs to happen. and Ferguson I, needs to stay healthy. Yes. I don't care how you have to make this fight happen. Just make it happen and make it happen when it's scheduled. Nobody move anything up because I was getting worried that was going to happen. But. To take JDS and Ngannou off makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You give them the main event thing, and that's a main event fight, too. Yeah, yeah. 
But now looking at the main card as it stands, it's still stacked for July 6th. Mm -hmm. There is an opening per se. Would you want to put a fight in there if you were booking? Mm, you know, I don't think so. Just because let, we've went through the list of, of the major fights that are on that card. There are already a lot of f- big to name fights on this card. And it's all. So I don't think I would want to just because no matter who I throw in there, if it's a big name, it, they'd get lost in the shuffle. That's and I think in turn, that's also why it's a good thing. The Dos Santos and Nganu fight got moved off of there because that by itself will headline any card on any platform the rest of the year. Like putting it on the the UFC 239 card, while good and it's a great fight to have on that card, it almost might get lost in the shuffle with something else that happens that night. Whereas with this, okay, you give your two big heavyweights a chance to knock each other out and really make headlines and not get lost in the shuffle. Right. I mean, this fight card is so stacked. I don't think you need to add somebody. I could almost see Conor McGregor trying to tweet. To get on this card. Uh, yeah, I can see him doing that. And then I'm just trying to think who in the lightweight division is available. And the only one that I can think of right now is Justin Gaethje. I don't know if they would make that fight. I mean, that would be a hell of a fight. You want to talk Rock'em Sock'em Robots? There you go. Because Gaethje will bring the fight to McGregor. And you won't have to worry about getting taken down like you did against Habib. Because that will just be a stand-up, straight-up slugfest. But the only question would be then, if you added Connor there, would you make that five rounds, or would you keep it at three? Well, Connor would want a five rounds. He'd want five rounds. But are you going to placate that and make that a triple main event, so to speak, and do that, and then have three five round fights for your main top half of your card because you have two title defenses? Right. So I I don't know if you would do that. I mean, definitely to put Connor on a card, it would just be the cherry on that Sunday, so to speak. And you know the buy rates would go through the roof. Oh, God, yeah. But I don't know if you want to do that. And like I said, I'm just throwing Gaethje's name out because I can't think of him fighting anybody else right now. Right. I think he's kind of waiting in the wings for a fight. So that would be a very interesting move by the UFC if they wanted to do that. I can't see them putting anybody else in there at this time. No. And obviously they don't need to. And no. for And for Lawler, if he wants to fight Woodley, or I hear he wants his rematch against Askren. Okay. I'm okay with either. Yeah. So if he wants to sit and wait, as much as I hate to see that, because I like watching Robbie Lawler fight, because if you want a fighter that's going to go in there and leave it all in the cage every time, prime example. Mm -hmm. He'll definitely earn your pay-per-view dollars, folks. Yes. So to see what he wants to do after this is anybody's guess. But to wrap this segment up, though, Pat, final thoughts on the moving of the card? Anything going on with that? Uh, you know, real interested to see where, where things shake out, whether they add anybody, whether they'll keep it as is, because there's some very interesting fights coming down the road, and I can't wait for them to get here. Yeah, every time it kind of leads into International Fight Week, it's always a big deal for the UFC, and especially this year because they don't have the ultimate fighter going on, too. Right. Because they usually have the finale right before their big pay-per-view at the end of the week. Yep. But to move Dos Anjos and Nganu up a week is not going to be the end of the world. And obviously, I think there's a lot of people that had tickets for July 6th that really are going to be upset by this. But you really can't be that upset because no. the card is so stacked. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to build from here because they haven't finalized it. But with the fighters that they have named for the main cards as of right now, yeah, you do have three main events, in my opinion, with Maz Vidal and Askren being that third main event along with Nunez and Holly Holm and and Santos, who is already starting to talk some real crazy talk to John Jones right now. Yeah. I read some of those uh, playbacks, and it was like, yeah. 
I don't know if that's the route you want to go. Also, that's a line you don't want to poke. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that, and if you want to go search that out, you can, ODPH listeners, because I'm not going to go near that one. But the UFC is getting ready to make another big run of fights and just going right into the summer. It's a great time to be a UFC fan. Mm -hmm. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about Robbie Lawler stepping down and waiting on a replacement fight? What is your thoughts now on the new main event for the June 29th UFC Fight Night card? What do you think happens with RDA and Kevin Lee going from here from their UFC Rochester night? And what do you think about the July 6th UFC International Fight Week card? So much UFC action going on. Mm -hmm. We want to interact with you. Hit us up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The ODPH is proud sponsors of Robocon 2019, happening September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out Robocon.org. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and let's get into the local minute, shall we, Pad? Yeah, of course, we'll talk a local minute during the spring and summer. We're talking Binghamton Rumble Ponies action. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend, they had a four-game series against the Trenton Thunder, of course, the double-A affiliate of the New York Yankees, kind of a minor league subway series. Uh, they split those games, winning two and losing two. Uh, they, are curr- they are currently in the second game of a three-game series against Bowie. Uh, they took game one, winning by a score of three to one. Uh, they're playing game number two as we record, and they will have uh, the final game of that three-game series on the 22nd before they are off on the 23rd, and they return home for a four-game series against the Trenton Thunder. So we got a little Subway Series action coming to the Binghamton area uh, this weekend. Uh, for more information, bingrp.com. But we do have some interesting Rumble Ponies news. Okay. Uh, it was reported today by John Hay- MLB insider John Heyman that Ruben Tejada, of course, who played a couple seasons bet down here in Binghamton, will be rejoining the AA uh, Binghamton Rumble Ponies on Tuesday. So he might be in the game. He might be in the game uh, right now as we speak. Hmm, interesting. A little interesting to see him back in a Binghamton Rumble Ponies jersey. A good familiar face returning. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be a fun time getting down to the stadium, especially Memorial Day weekend coming up. Mm-hmm. So definitely bingrp.com for yes. more information. Get ready for that. Yep. So let's go around those bases, shall we? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm going to talk a little baseball. Actually, I'll get to something else in a minute, but i got to talk baseball because the one thing I always tell people is baseball is very weird in some of the things and oddities that happen. Uh, the New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox, of course, have one of the most, if not the most storied rivalry in all of sports history. I mean, you can go down the line. It's the storied. Yeah. So uh, the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees uh, will be playing in London, England next month, uh, where for the first time in over 2,200 games between the two, they will be playing on artificial turf and not grass. Interesting. Yeah, so that was just one of those weird things. I read it. I go, wait, what now? Yeah, so when they go over to play baseball, a baseball game over in London, which that's the other thing that's going to be weird because they want to bring out the pinstripes for the overseas crowd. The the Yankees will be the visiting team, so this will be a home series for essentially for Boston. So normally the Yankees would wear their road gray uniforms. Mm-hmm. They're bringing the pinstripes, and both teams will be in their home field jersey. So that'll be a weird look to see. That is, yeah, that, I'm just trying to soak that visual in, and yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's real crazy. That's going to be a little weird. And then my other one, uh, of course, we had the Preakness Stakes over the weekend, of course, the second leg of the Triple Crown. However, there will be no Triple Crown winner this year uh, because uh, the winner over the weekend was War of Will, who uh, was a 6-1 to one favorite, favorite going in. Uh, but that's not the big story. 
Uh, I'm noticing a trend this year with the big uh, three horse races. Of course, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness Stakes, and uh, the Belmont Stakes is coming up uh, later this uh, in June, uh, June 8th to be specific. But Kentucky Derby, the horse that won the race isn't the story. Preakness Stakes, the horse that won isn't the story. The story everyone's talking about is Bodie Express. Now, if you haven't seen the video, I highly encourage you to look up this video because I read it about it. I could not believe it. So you've all seen horse racing, or if you, and if you haven't, they line them up in these gates at the starting block, and they, they put them in there, and then the, you know, the, the horn goes off, the gates open, and they take off running. Bodie Express, for whatever reason, I'm no horse expert, so I, can't, I won't even attempt to get into the specifics about it. Bodie Express, for whatever reason, reared or kind of like leapt up its front legs up in the air and threw its uh, jockey Mm -hmm. and then proceeded to run the race without said jockey. Now, from my understanding, because I I didn't watch the race live, I I only found out about it afterwards. Uh, From what I understand, the horse did not finish last. However, because it didn't finish with a jockey, they gave oh, it. Oh come on! They gave it a DNF. But come on, you got the horse ran the race without a jockey. You gotta give him the place. Yeah, you gotta give him a place on that. So you... yeah, I'm noticing a trend here. Uh, Kentucky Derby, the horse that won in the story, wild story. Preakness Stakes, the horse that won in the wild in the main story, wild story. Belmont Stakes, you really got something to live up to. Yeah, they're gonna have to try topping that. I don't know yeah. if it's gonna be possible, but yeah. It's just a, an interesting time for horse racing, I guess, mm-hmm. when, when those are the main stories. Yeah. It, what else can you really say about that? It's, it's just wild. I couldn't believe it. Nah. So for mine, going to be a little more just up to date. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers were okay. kind of making some moves. Okay. They're releasing Gerald McCoy Ooh. after nine wow. seasons. Wow. And that was kind of a curveball thrown too. But then yeah. they are now announcing they're signing in Dominican Sue to Hello. a one year deal. Hello. So Tampa is making some moves. I mean, I, I mean, that's that's a that's a that's a roll of the dice if I ever saw him. Because if I'm not mistaken, Gerald McCoy is like a six or seven time Pro Bowler. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely. And Dominican Sue, I mean, he's got his issues. They're well documented. Right. It's a one year deal for Sue, though. Yeah. So a new coach, new philosophy, maybe something yeah. special there. But McCoy, I can definitely see not being unemployed for long. No, he will be all unemployed for all of like less than a week. Right. And wherever he goes, I expect him to make some big, big moves. We'll say who knows. Maybe Sue fits this new coach's system better than uh, Gerald McCoy did. That's, that's the only thing you could think of because obviously to release McCoy at this stage, yeah. really kind of crazy. And then going from there to Sue, is, it's, yeah. a big, it's a big change in your defensive philosophy, So, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So we'll have to kind of wait and see. And to close out the show, we did talk a little UFC this weekend, but there was one combat sport that stuck out uh-huh. for one very particular reason. Uh-huh. There was a fight in Brooklyn this weekend okay. between Dominic Brazil uh-huh. and Deontay Wilder. You know, I might have heard about this one. And Wilder knocked Brazil out yeah. in 29 seconds. Yeah. He basically hit him with the infinity gauntlet, and you can find memes of this yeah. all over the internet. He he made sure the fans got home without any travel oh issues. Oh my god! Holy cow! He, I, we talk a lot, a little bit about boxing on here. There are certain fighters we follow. We follow Canelo Alvarez. We follow Triple G, and Triple G won that fight, the trilogy. So I don't need to see a third one, but I'm going to keep bringing that up. This fight, though, Wilder is on a roll and is just growing his stock. For mainstream fans, mm-hmm. not if if you know boxing, you do know who he is. But this knockout has been getting shown everywhere. So where does he go from here? There is only two fights that need to happen with him: the fight I want to see, and then the fight I think is going to happen first. The fight I want to see is him versus Anthony Joshua. This fight is long overdue. 
long overdue. Yeah. This needs to happen. I don't understand what the holdup is. If you talk to both camps, I hear a lot of different stuff when I'm reading and trying to get information about this. Whatever it needs to happen, this will arguably be on the same level of Triple G Canelo. This could will be under the Mayweather-McGregor level, so to speak. Right. But if you're talking the best boxing match you can make, bar none, this is the fight you make. You can't make anything better. What I think is going to happen first is Tyson Fury and Joshua, or uh, sorry, Wilder are going to have their rematch. Right. Which is understandable. I get it. And to see Fury make that Undertaker-like rise and late in the rounds when Wilder knocked him, I thought, clearly out. Mm-hmm. Truly astonishing. So if they want to do that rematch, sure. But for my money and my interest, Joshua Wilder needs to happen. Without question. I th- Yeah, I think if Deontay Wilder really wants to make a big fight or have a big fight happen, you need to strike now while the iron is hot. Because I'm looking at, at YouTube. Uh, Showtime Sports uh, posting of the video of the knockout uh, currently as we record, and it was posted two days ago. On you on YouTube's, it is sitting at 1.3 million views. And then SportsCenter as well uh, shared the knockout video on their Facebook page. Again, posted on Saturday at 11.30 p.m. That is sitting at 3.2 million views as of recording. Like, there's a lot of people who've seen this fight, and if you make a big-name fight with him and somebody else, do it now while everyone remembers the name and is very interested. It'll be the smartest move boxing has done since they actually got Canelo and Triple G to fight in their primes. Yeah. Not Pacquiao and Mayweather five years too late. Ten years too late, but yeah. However, man, this is, if you're a boxing fan, you need to see Joshua Wilder happen. I don't care how you got to make this fight happen. Make it happen, especially mm-hmm. right now. The fight is there. Wilder is ready. Let's go, if I can quote Coach Duffy. I'm going to. Let's go. Make this fight happen, folks. And if you have not seen that knockout, Pad just mentioned a couple places you can find it. You need to see it, and then after seeing this fight, you'll go, yeah, I completely get what Ken was saying. I'm going to add it to the list of th- times I've seen a fighter's soul leave his body in a knockout. Yeah, this was like... I was say, Alistair Overing, uh, Francis Ngannou is on that list, but yeah, this is getting added to it. Yeah, this was like in Avengers Endgame when the Ancient One hit the Hulk and you saw the soul leave the body of Bruce Banner there. Yeah. And then j- it is exactly the same. Yeah, it is. It is a something to see, and if you're a boxing fan, a combat sport fan, you need to have this fight happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drill this home. This fight needs to happen. Get the hashtags up. Let's do it, folks. Yes. And that's all we got for this week. So for Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Kenham. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Hashtag ODPH Podcast. See you next time. <laughs>